Hello and welcome into another edition of SAS Whispers. My name is Jay McFarland and today I want to introduce you to Howard Miller. He is the CIO of the UCLA School of Management. We'll get his perspective on how SAS governance should be impacting your organization, but we'll also talk about how this impacts his organization that he supervises right now. We'll be discussing how the introduction of SAS has created what he calls a wild, wild west environment when it comes to usage, controls, and liability exposure, and how this is exactly why we all need to consider SAS governance within our organizations to harness all the good that SAS has to offer while minimizing the bad or the detractors. We'll also talk about how SAS application management systems are a great tool to help you see and fix any potential problems. All right, Howard, I really appreciate you taking the time today to speak with us. Just to start out, introduce yourself. Tell us how you got to where you're at today in this particular field of study. Sure. So uh, I'm Howard Miller. I'm the CIO at the UCLA Anderson School of Management. I've been with UCLA for a little over two years now, coming up on about two and a half. Uh, prior to that, in my last role, I was the acting CIO and CISO at Columbia Business School in New York. And I was with Columbia for about seven years. My career prior to that was mostly in pharmaceutical and in life sciences, biotech. Mm. Um, been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, it's, it's been over 30 years in industry. So um, started off as, you know, worked my way from entry level programmer up to CIO. So I, I feel like I've seen a lot of different steps on the journey. Uh, higher ed is definitely a different beast, but uh, mm-hmm. I've been in the academic space for about 10 years now. And, you know, it's, it continues to be a challenging place to work. <laughs> Hopefully good challenges that you can overcome. Good challenges for sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk. We're here to talk about SAS, obviously. What what comes to mind for you when I say when I say SAS governance? What what is the first thing that you think of? You know, there's a big old cloud dumping ground that I kind of think about when we go to SAS governance, right? So even if I look at my journey into higher ed, right? Um, we were doing things in the cloud and with SaaS applications back then, probably before it became sexy to be even be calling it the cloud, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so moving stuff off-premise and using applications that were just somewhere else, right? And, and we've now seen the pendulum switch the other way so much so that we've come to having cloud strategy documents and going to cloud-first strategies. So it's, it's really about using applications that exist elsewhere, you know, for the benefit of your organization, both from a maintenance perspective and from a development perspective as well. Yeah. And then I guess the, the, all the benefits that come from that, I mean, it's, it's a tremendous advantage, I think, compared to where we used to be having to install, you know, a CD on every single computer and, you know, individually update and those types of things. There's all kinds of benefits to going off-prem, but there's also some concerns. Can you talk about what those concerns are a little bit? Well, it's twofold, right? So in that regard, you know, we've become very much so an on-demand society. You know, I I talk about my kids thinking that we're on-demand, right? You have to drop everything when your kids ask you for something because (laughs) (laughs) the expectation, right? And sort of having things in the cloud has sort of facilitated that, right? You are just where your applications are going to be, right? So 
Uh, you know, I was on a call a little earlier today and we were talking about Salesforce, for an example. And, and Salesforce is one of those applications that's a SaaS application that governance can be a nightmare from this perspective, right? And you've got a user who's got a credit card and they can just plunk down their credit card and spin up an application and, and off they go. And, and they're away at the races and as an IT person, you have no visibility into what it is they're doing, what data it is they're using, what application they're developing, and just so how far away from the truth they get from the rest of what your organization is trying to present that, you know, all of these different potholes are somewhere along the way in your journey. Well, yeah. So, you don't, like you said, you don't know what they're putting in there. And also, uh, Salesforce is one thing. There's so many options out there. What about just confidential data uh, that you're you're putting on other platforms and you don't know as a company or security risks from those companies? Because you your organization has not assessed the security levels of those those companies. So you could be putting your data at risk and, and be in some type of legal liability as well. So to be honest with you, over the last probably 12 to 18 months, um, that's been the greatest pain point that we've had organizationally mm -hmm. because we are putting so much scrutiny into our third party risk management that for people who are following the process, to procure something has become very painful for mm. just those reasons, right? So we are taking the time organizationally to say, okay, what kind of data is this? What kind of confidentiality or sensitivity does that data have? And it's been a very elongated process and very painful to our clients, our customers, our constituents. And those are the ones that are following the process, right? So right, right. We, we certainly know that there are likely others who are still plunking down their credit cards and just bypassing all of the controls that we're trying to put in place and those safeguards we're trying to have organizationally. So it, it creates a mess, it creates a nightmare for sure. Yeah, it really does. What, what would you recommend if, you, if you're an organization and you you know you've got this issue going on? How do you even how do you even broach the process? How do you even start to assess what's out there? Do you go through credit card statements? Do you ask staff? Um, how do you begin the SaaS governance process? Yeah, it, it's the ongoing <laughs> struggle, right? There, there, there is yeah. no great answer to the question. I. Uh, at, at the end of the day, someone wants to have, someone has to want to own the space. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily an IT problem. IT always ends up being the bad guy here, right? Um, but I think as an organization, you have to figure out how you want to govern, how you want to sell that message, and how you want to enforce that message. In, in academia, it's tough, right? Because you can have students purchasing things, you can have faculty purchasing things, you can have staff purchasing things. And quite admittedly, of the three, staff is probably easiest to reel in. Uh, faculty and students can be wild cards. Yeah, I, I can see uh, in academics that can be very difficult. I just, I, I think, you know, I'm the type, I just always think from my perspective, I'm the type of guy where if I need something, I will Google it and I'll see if there's a solution out there. And if there is something that claims to be, I'll try it out. I'll put it on a credit card. I'll see if it works. And I know there's a lot of other people like that. I'm trying to be helpful. I'm trying to do my job better. 
But if I'm doing that without my my employer knowing and every other employee is doing that, you can the expense related to that, the uh, lack of efficiency in that type of system, um, you can really slow down the cogs of business with people like me trying to, I'm just trying to do the best I can. Right. I mean, there's education about policy, mm -hmm. right? And at the end of the day, academics don't necessarily want to be told what to do anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah. so, so therein lies the problem, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think unless you have tone at the top, or unless you have some system that can clearly articulate where the risks are, right? It, it's going to continue to be an ongoing battle. Right. Do you do you suggest? I mean, do you? I, I guess the question is: At what level do you think that an organization should start looking at SaaS governance, or or should it just be? Is this the new? You have an HR department. You have somebody who has that SaaS governance space. Is this just something that every organization needs to now? build in because that's the future of where we're heading? You know, it's a great question. I, I don't know that we've totally vetted that yet. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, it's a little bit cart before the horse for me. In, in some ways, I, I don't know that we've, you know, we're still talking about IT governance. We're still talking about data governance mm -hmm. is basic talking and tackling elements. I'm not even sure that up the chain of things that we've gone, that we've even got to SAS yet something else we've needed to govern because we haven't gotten data or IT governance correct yet. Mm. So I don't know how soon we're going to get there. I think the argument is fair that we likely need to get there and probably sooner than later. I'm not sure how soon organizations are actually going to get themselves there. I, I think there are too many other basics on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, I, I think it's going to be the wild west for a little while. <laughs> and, well, I I think you're probably right. I think that each organization needs to ask themselves how long they want to be in the wild, wild west. But I I believe, and I, I'll get your feedback on this, SaaS is the future. I don't see us returning to an on-prem model for most of the things that we're using SaaS for. Would you agree with that? I think that's fair. Uh, I think most organization as a premise are, are either doing all cloud or cloud first, mm -hmm. right? Our strategy is cloud first, but you know, it's also where cloud makes sense, right? And I'm using cloud and SaaS interchangeably just as- Yeah, yeah. It's just clarifying you know, right. in, the, in those elements, right? So, right. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I don't think that we're going to have traditional application developers. I don't think that we're gonna have traditional software development life cycles. I, I think everything is pivoting to a model in which SAS is here to stay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I would love your feedback on this. I think without SAS, the pandemic would have shut the globe down. I, I think that uh, SAS saved us in many ways. Would you agree with that? I think that's fair. Uh, I, I think that's fair. It's Listen, I, I, I've seen a lot of rhetoric that said, you know, did your spend accelerate to the cloud because of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily. I don't know that the strategy changed. Uh, I think the mindset changed, right? I, I think the culture changed. I think we were already doing things in the cloud without not necessarily calling it out that way. Uh, if you look at something like on Office 365, right? That's been in the cloud. That's, that's our primary SaaS application. I yeah. mean, if you look from a disaster recovery perspective, 
that's really what's mission critical, right? If I, if I took my applications that were most mission critical right now, it would be email. I mean, we would be hamstrung. Yeah, people, people go bonkers if email's down for 30 right. minutes, right? You can't get that email, you know. Or, you know, even if you say, okay, we don't need to be email first, we're going to be Slack or Teams. Well, duh. I mean, those, those are also SaaS applications. So the critical communication components of the organization are all SaaS to begin with, right? If you look at what we do admitting people, that's that's Slate, right? So that's a SaaS application. If you look at what we do for a lot of the data around the organization, that's Salesforce, that's SaaS, right? The disaster recovery scenarios are based upon restoring those SaaS applications first, right? It's, it's, it's no longer about getting critical infrastructure on premise up first. It's about getting that connection to the internet and those other applications up first. And that's for me where the narrative really has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. Talk a little bit about SaaS management systems. We're starting to see a lot of these crop up because they're, they're, there's such a popularity now of SaaS applications and they're so easy to sign up for, so easy to get going. Uh, talk a little bit about how those are emerging and what are your thoughts on how they can help you out? Yeah, so I, I think that's a great point and, and, and I'll, I'll sort of tell the story this way, right? So, you know, when I got to UCLA, within the first few months I did a reorg and I put somebody into a business relationship management role and towards the end of 2019, he came back to me and he said, all these clients are spending on all of these applications. And I saw Dropbox and I saw iCloud and I saw GitHub and I, and I saw a bunch of spend on things that weren't necessarily university standard. Mm. Right. And, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that there's a cost associated with people buying things sort of in a vacuum. Right. Yes. And so no matter how you slice it, right, there is business dollars, there's expense associated with the cost of doing business that somebody should be looking at. And in the absence of anybody owning it or in the absence of anybody even being able to compile that information and make any sense of it, you know, it just goes entirely uncorralled. So with that said, to the extent that there are systems out there that can actually help you gain some insight into what your ecosystem looks like and what that spend is and how you can really kind of crystallize that and put a dollar value on it and start to make some business decisions around that spend that's actually happening. You know, that, that's all good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't know, for, you can't solve a problem if you don't know what's there. You can't improve a system if you don't know what's involved in, in all of those things. So I think visibility that these type of systems can bring you is, is key. To me, the goal would be how can I, how can I harness all of the, the, I'm gonna use the word coolness of SaaS applications, everything that they bring us, all of the benefits while minimizing some of these things, the, the legal exposure, the spend, right? The unknown spend. Uh, the duplication of effort that they can be involved in, lack of efficiency if everyone's doing their own thing. So to me, that's that's my goal with a SaaS management system, right? Maximize the benefits and minimize the detractors. For sure. I, I mean, again, to me, it comes down to visibility, right? Mm -hmm. So it's uh, what are people using? 
right? How they're, you know, not necessarily how they're using it, but what they're spending on it, right? And again, is it consistent with what we're trying to do as an organization? So I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Um, for enterprise content management, we're a box shop, but most of our researchers want to use Dropbox, right? So does it make sense for us to still be using Box or should we switch hmm. to Dropbox? Should we get be getting a better deal on Dropbox because of the rate at which we're using it, you know, contractually? And then as we talked about, what kind of data is in there? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> right. Is that the Wild West, right? Or are mm -hmm. people just exchanging stuff that they shouldn't be exchanging in Dropbox because they just can and because they find it to be a better external collaboration tool. So for sure. Yeah. Again, visibility. You can't you can't control what you don't know, right? What other thoughts would do you think that an organization should should be thinking about as SaaS becomes so prevalent in our in our society today? <sighs> what other thoughts? I don't know. I, I keep coming back to the wild, wild west, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, there are so many different systems that people could be using. So you, you talked about it in, in sort of your last statement there, the duplicative nature. I mean, do you need, I'll give you an example, right? So with the pandemic, there are a lot of different virtual event platforms that people wanted to kick the tires on and to use to try and simulate that in-person experience. Yeah. And, and organizationally, we didn't necessarily need seven or eight of them. You, you would like to try and standardize on one and two. But again, with the ease of people going to a website, finding a product they like, initiating contact with a vendor, getting a pilot, getting a demo, just sort of doing that on their own accord because they can. And because the vendors, there's there's nothing that's keeping the vendor from saying, oh, sure, I'm going to go that's ahead right. with this, you know, right? You know, then again, you've got this mess on your hand where you've got eight or nine or 10 or however many you want to put in this equation, products that people have just decided is what their pet product is with disregard to anything else that may be important to the entity. So the security, the privacy, mm -hmm. the accessibility, and it just, it just becomes a mess. It's, it's just been a mess, right? So at the end of the day, it's less about the SaaS side of it and, and organizationally how you change the narrative, how you change the mindset, right? To get people to understand that anything that they purchase right, has an implication. And that's where the rubber's not hitting the road for us, Yeah. right? And that's, you know, I made this argument before about students, faculty, and staff. And staff, you can fairly well rein in. Um, you know, when you start telling faculty that this is what they can and can't use in the classroom is where the argument gets a little dicey. Or, or either uh, maybe differently said is, uh, we haven't quite figured that out yet. Yeah. <laughs> that's still a friction point you're working on. Uh, yeah, to yeah. be continued for sure. Well, it's one of those things. I just, I just think of you know again back to my own experience. 
There have been times, I will admit, where I'm frustrated because I know there's a tool out there. I've asked my employer for a, a similar tool and IT is saying, we, we, we don't have the time for you. We can't. And I'm like, I know that this is a game changer. This will improve efficiency. And so again, I'm like, am I going to wait for my own IT department to do this or my employer to figure out the importance of this? Or am I just going to get out my credit card because this brand new startup has come up with the perfect solution and I'm going to go and find that? I, I feel like sometimes because corporations move slowly and, and they're measured and, and rightly so, it, it almost pushes employees towards doing this very type of thing. Yeah, I, it's fair. I, I'm not sure that there's a great answer mm -hmm. for that. Um, as I said, in, in my environment, at least with staff, I think there's the opportunity to educate and to sort of coerce is such a dirty word, right? But but sort of encourage perhaps maybe the the, the antithesis yeah. of coerce in this case to to follow a process and and to trust in a process and explain to them why certain safeguards are in place. Um, but you can't. Uh, we at least haven't consistently been able to sort of use that across the enterprise. Right, right. But I think that that's such a good point. I, I think that we have to we have to move to a place now where SaaS governance and awareness is part of our structure for all of the reasons that we've talked about. And the starting place really for me is that education piece. Why are we doing this? Why is it important? What are the liabilities? We know you want to go out and and there's this great new product, but look, we don't know about the the security uh, protocols of that of that new system, and we don't know if they're going to be there two weeks from now. We don't know anything about them, but they're making all these claims. So I I, I do agree. I think that just that education piece, and, and you talked about the tone set from the top down, even without you know SaaS management systems in place, I think that that's a really good place to start. Yeah, you know, so listen, right? I, I, I think this is a human nature thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think when you explain to people why you're doing something, right? They kind of get it. It kind of makes sense. Or at least they're a little bit more willing to listen or buy into what it is you're trying to get them to do as, as opposed to just sort of the you have to do this or I need you to do X, right? So I, I've, I've I've always felt that trying to get that buy-in, right, is important up front. And the rationale behind those decisions, people seem to at least be more willing to, to listen and, and engage yeah, in that regard. I, yeah, I hate the I told you so because I told you so model. I, I can't stand right. that. Um, I don't like it in parenting and I don't like it in business because like you said, the human nature piece, uh, I, I think people generally want to, they want to come along if they are, even if you just make an attempt, you know, many will say, I, I don't agree with you, but you've come to me at a level where I, you know, you're trying to explain things. So I'll, I'll walk with you on this. When you do the, I told you so model, it just, you know, I, I think you, 
you send people in the opposite direction, then that's exactly the opposite of what you want to do. Correct. And your parenting analogy is fair. If you tell your child not to cross the line, they're going to cross the line, right? Yeah. <laughs> they just are, right? Because yeah. they want to see what happens if, right? You know, mm -hmm. there are a lot of cowboys and cowgirls out there for sure. Yeah. It's almost like we've drawn attention to it now. Yeah, and right. and without an explanation, you know, sometimes you have to, no, you know, no matter what it is, sometimes you have to just say, look, this is the way it is. I can't give you a good reason right now, but eventually I have to think though, that part of the education piece though, it like, for example, uh, when I owned a small business and I wanted to get my employees buy-in, I would show them my p and I'd show them my profit and loss statement and say, look, you know, this is what this cost me. When you give away food, when you, you know, when you do this or that, this is what, and you think I'm making money hand and fist and look, I'm actually losing money. And that's a great way to get by. And I have to think that if you had a good SaaS management, uh, application management system, and you could show them, look at all these, look at all these applications, look at all these SaaS applications across the board that you guys are using. And it, there's gotta be a better way and actually use it as a jumping off point and, and maybe a way to look at all of these different things and find the best solutions for everybody. Again, visibility, right? I, I think your point is well taken, right? I, I think in the court of public opinion, facts matter. Yeah. And when you can point to this is X and this is Y and I'm not making this up and this is what the numbers say and, and this is where the, the gaps are, the pain points are, the, mm -hmm. the spend is, right? It's hard to refute, right? It, it, it's no longer opinion or rhetoric, right? It, it is just fact, right? And and people, they can dislike it, right? But it's hard to argue fact. Right. So right. once you present fact, then it's okay, what arguments are you going to make in support of fact, right? That That's going to make the most sense and that's going to really resonate with folks. Yeah. And how do you do that if, if you don't have a way to harness all of those facts in one place. Facts are facts, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the fun part about facts, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. This is what it is, right? You know? Although we live in a world now where your facts are different than my facts, well, you know? I, <laughs> I, I guess fact checking exists for a reason, right? But a red yes. car is still gonna be a red car, whether you wanna argue whether it's maroon or garnet, well, you know, you could split hairs, but, you know, red is still red, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm watching kind of a parallel here because we've been talking about SaaS and SaaS governance. And I feel like cable TV and what's happened with entertainment is mirroring what's happening with SaaS. And, and cable TV, we all paid for, you know, one price and we got all of these services included in one. And now everything's broken up, right? So now we have Apple at, we have Apple TV Plus, we have Disney Plus, we have Paramount Plus, we have HBO Max. Every, so they've all split up. They've all become these individual applications. And now I find myself in a place, weirdly, kind of be longing for a solution where they would all come together or I can track them all because I, I just saw a show just last night and I'm like, oh, that looks really good. And it's on Paramount Plus and I don't have Paramount Plus. And I'm like, am I really going to subscribe for one show? I just feel like there's a parallel there to what's happening with SaaS. And I think maybe SaaS management systems are that solution kind of in SaaS that I'm looking for now in my entertainment. Am I making any sense to you at all? 
No, you are. I mean, I, I think it's a great point on, on multiple levels, right? So I think we all got pissed at the cable providers. Yeah. Um, because they had all of that autonomy or because the pricing of such became so prohibitive per se mm-hmm. of one, you know, well, I want, I want, I want Cinemax, right? You know, you know, that's another fifteen ninety nine a month or I want HBO. It's another fifteen ninety nine a month. So we've become very much so an a la carte society, right? Yeah. And even when I work with my vendors, I kind of want to know what a la carte pricing is, right? We've become less about the bundle and more about what is it going to cost me for X and Y and Z. Yes. And what I think we're finding now is, you know, it's this whole argument about what synergy is, right? The, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, you know, and at some part, does the sum of the parts become greater than the whole? Does it equal the whole? Is it less than the whole? What is it, right? So it fundamentally gets back to what is the whole, right? <laughs> yeah. I know what the whole is at this yeah. point, right? And as you said, as you consume, as you want to consume, what is it worth for you to want to consume that one thing, right? So uh, we'll take Hamilton, for example. Hamilton was on HBO Max, right? And everybody ran to HBO Max to get Hamilton. Is that really worth it? Did, right. did you really need to go to HBO Max just so you could see Hamilton? Mm-hmm. And to some people, that answer is yes. And unfortunately, maybe the answer is, is to many people, that answer is yes. And they run to that shiny object and they just go sign up because to them, that need for that one thing, whatever that one thing is, is greater than the whole of the 999 other things that they need. You know, my wife and I get back to this with the cable argument all the time. I probably get some 200 channels with my cable subscription. You know what I watch? I watch local news, I watch ESPN, and I watch the Food Network. Right? (laughs) You know, so I I just need pricing for those three. I, I, I don't need... I don't need BBC America. I don't yeah. need, you know, I know, I know my wife likes HGTV, but I don't need that, right? So yeah. again, it, it comes back to a la carte, right? Mm-hmm. If there were just some way that I could get this station and this station and this station, I would be happy. But it yeah. still talks more so to an a la carte experience yeah, than a, than a high yeah. level holistically. You're going to get this and all of these other things that you may or may not need that come along with that. Yeah, and I think back to back to the SaaS discussion. I think that, <laughs> I think the a la carte model makes uh, makes us better. I really do because you have. I'm always a firm believer in do one thing and do it well. Master that thing. It's like when you go to a restaurant and they feature one or two specific things and they are the best at it. Or you go to the Cheesecake Factory and the menu is a hundred pages long, and it's you know what I mean. It's, it's like we used to we used to rely on one or two software entities to provide everything. Now we have somebody from their own experience who says, "I can create some software to solve a, a, a situation that I experienced in my field," and they can special specialize on it and make it so good. I love that. I love that about about SaaS, and I think it's a great model. That, and that's why I love the a la carte nature of it. Uh, totally agree, right? 
you know, like you said, when you go to the diner, you can't decide what to eat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, my wife always gets a tuna melt and French fries, but you know, just, you know, how do they make all of these <laughs> things and how fresh is all of that stuff? And, That's you know, right. Really, you know, okay. But uh, to your point, right. If, if you want Italian food, you're going to go to an Italian restaurant. If you want Greek food, you're going to probably go to a Greek restaurant, right? You're, you're going to go to that specific ethnicity, specialty, whatever it is that you want to call it, that's featured or focused in that food that you want to eat or that solution mm-hmm. that you, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Howard, Howard, it's been a real pleasure. Anything else you think that we should add uh, in this discussion about SaaS governance? No, I, I mean, this has been great. I, I think that the market is ripe for tools to, prov- to be providing this type of visibility into solutions companies are using. Um, again, as we've discussed, sort of corral the wild, wild west into something that's a little bit more actionable. Mm-hmm. And that we can sort of put guardrails around spend and, you know, sort of frameworks around the security and policies and and you know, items organizationally that are important in, in every business uh, to keep people safe. Yeah, absolutely. Howard, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Once again, I want to thank Howard for spending some time with us today. I think he really helped drive home the need for good SaaS governance in your organization. And remember, this really stood out for me. You can't solve a problem or improve something if you don't have clear visibility of the overall issue. This is where good SaaS management platforms can have a dramatic impact. If you wanna harness the good, but get rid of as many of the detractors as you can, you've gotta have a clear picture of everything going on. And that's where those systems and those platforms can really help you out. Once again, my name is Jay McFarlane. I want to thank you for joining us and we'll be back very soon with another edition of SaaS Whispers.